Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Tonight on Piers Morgan Uncensored, I've come to Beverly Hills in California to sit down with one of America's unofficial royal family. Priscilla Presley was married to Elvis Presley, the king. And they had one child, a daughter, Lisa Marie, who very sadly died earlier this year. This is the first interview that Priscilla's given since that tragic event. And it's the first time she's talked on camera since the release of a movie about her life called Priscilla. What followed in more than an hour was one of the most moving. You know, I lost my mom, then I lost my grandson, and then I lost my daughter. Emotional. I'm talking. <laughs> Revealing. She was feeling almost suicidal herself. I think so. And surprising interviews that I've done in my entire career. Priscilla. First of all, how are you? I'm OK. Thank you. I'm good. You've had a kind of extraordinary few years, really. Mm-hmm. Um, some great highs, some terrible lows. And I've interviewed you various stages uh, in the last 15 years or so. And before I came today, I was just wondering, actually, genuinely, how you were doing. Well, in all honesty, um, you know, it has been pretty tough. You know, I lost my mom, then I lost my grandson, and then I lost my daughter. Mm. So I don't know exactly how to answer that because I have my good days and I have my bad days. Mm. So, you know, you just, you never know. And uh, it's, um, how could I say, it's, uh, it's difficult. Mm. It's difficult to wake up in the morning and and not, you know, have a call from my daughter or wonder how my grandson is doing. It's like a part of your, not part, but a large part of your life is taken away. The particular difficulty for someone like you mm-hmm. is that you can't do this privately. Right. Everything is magnified on a global stage. Right. And there was a quote which really resonated with me. I, I suspect it will with you. From Baz Luhrmann, who, of course, directed mm-hmm. Elvis the movie. And he said, there's the Kennedys and there's the Presleys. They are the royal families of America. 
And in different ways, they both were, as Shakespeare says, wedded to calamity. Is it genetic? Is it because they have such high standards? Is it because the world watches them? Maybe, because to be American royalty is not just to have your country watch you. To be American royalty is to have the whole world watch you. Mm -hmm. Did that resonate with you? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, when you're living a life, you know, I mean, being married to Elvis Presley, you don't really know what you're getting into, especially when you're younger. And, um, you know, you have to adapt to not really having your privacy, um, things getting out that you wish didn't. Um, you start uh, thinking, my gosh, you know, I, I have to be careful, you know, what I say or it'll be taken wrong or they'll add on to it. So it's, it's, uh, it's been a journey, there's no doubt. There's a movie now mm -hmm. about you, your center stage, it's your life. It's called Priscilla. And when they first aired it at the Venice Film Festival, you were there. Mm -hmm. And at the end, there's a very moving clip as you get a standing ovation from, for about seven minutes yeah. from an ecstatic crowd and you're in tears at the end. What was it that moved you in that moment? For, the, sh uh, the, for the, the, the movie getting that kind of reception, I never, you know, when you have a movie that's about you, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you never know how people are going to take it. Um, you never know if they're going to understand it. I mean, they have their own, you know, with all this, people, you know, that's a big name. It's a big name. And I was happy because um, it had a standing ovation. I was happy for Sophia. She was quite nervous about Sophia it. Coppola Sophia Coppola. Sophia Coppola, right. Is it an accurate depiction, do you think? Not just of you, but of your relationship with Elvis? I think so. I think she did a, she did a, you know, I mean, she did some homework. I mean, she and I, we talked about it. And, um, you know, living with Elvis Presley, people think, oh, how wonderful, that's mm -hmm. great, it's Elvis Presley. But I went through the ups and downs with him in a very crucial part of his life. Um, you know, his ups and downs, um, his struggles, uh, you know, his uh, fears. So, you know, you when you're living with someone so famous uh, and you've been through it with them, it's that part of privacy that you're, it's hard to give up. It's hard to share. It's hard to, you know, I don't want to give out too much because I want some of that myself. Right. That's just for me. And actually one of the reasons it's reputed that Elvis loved you so much was that from the very first moments that you were together, even though you were very young mm. and you were at school, and we'll come to that, you never spoke about him to people. Right. You absolutely respected and protected his privacy, mm -hmm. even though at the time he was one of the biggest stars in the world. And that really endeared you to him, the fact that you safeguarded the privacy. I did. When I first started dating him, or let's say, you know, he would call to, to my parents to see if I could um, come over just on the weekends, you know, maybe Friday, maybe Saturday. That whole, <clears throat> I mean, part of my life was, um, <clears throat> getting to know him, but the question was, why me? <clears throat> why is he drawn to me? Why is he asking my mother and father if it's okay if, 
you know, I would go visit. And when I put all the pieces together, it's because I really, I was the listener. I was the one that he trusted um, more, I think, than anyone. And I honored that, and I would never give that up. Um, I never told kids at school that I was seeing him. No one even knew because I valued that trust. Um, and, why, and, and I would ask the question, why me? Why does he trust me? Um, I was the listener. He would tell me about how upset he was with his father, who was, who actually, he lost his mother uh, a year before. Mm -hmm. He went to the army, and then his father met this woman who had three children. And he couldn't believe his father, I couldn't believe, yes, that his father would so soon start dating and falling in love. And then he would pour his heart out uh, to me, get emotional about it, because he was so close to his mother. So I let uh, the trust factor meant a lot to him, mm. a lot. And to this day, you know, there are things I hold to my heart and I won't give up. You never bad mouth Elvis. I've noticed that about you your never. entire life. No. You've never had, even though you got divorced and everything else, you've been an impeccable support to him even decades after his death. It obviously matters to you a lot. A lot. He was a very special human being. Mm. And to be put in the position that he was in, never expecting to be as big as he became, you know, he just loved his music, he loved to sing, he loved to entertain people, and that's what he started out until, much to his surprise, he was received so well. And I remember being in Las Vegas, and it was always a, a packed, a, I mean, literally, he, he sold out every night. And he looked in the audience, and he'd see it full every single night. And then he'd go later on and start touring, and there would be sold out every night. And he said to me, you know, I see all these people coming to see me and I don't understand why am I to do and be something else? Is there a message for me that maybe I should be preaching? Maybe I have a message for people. And he would bring out the Bible at night sometimes and look and read. And not that he compared himself to Jesus in any way. He, he read the Bible all the time. It was just, it was just him thinking, Maybe I'm here for another purpose, a message to give. And people, you know, when I, when I have said that very rarely, um, it's something that it weighed on him. One of the contentious points of the movie, it's one of the contentious points about your relationship with Elvis, which is when you met him, you were 14 and he was 24. How do you think the movie deals with that? Some people who've reviewed it say, well, you can see there he's, he's grooming her. Um, others saying that you know, post Me Too, he would have been cancelled for this kind of thing. What do you feel about it? Because it was a different time. It was the early 60s. The early 60s. And, you know, I, I compared this to my mother. My mother, my father was in the military. My mother would dress up for my father every day when he came home from work. She was dressed up. That was, that, and women were that way. We, we were, you know, not that it was just for our men, but we took care of ourselves and we wanted to be, um, when I say we, I, I, I include myself. Um, we respected, my mother respected my father, uh, and other women wore dresses back in the day. They did not wear pants, slacks, mm. jeans, 
so that was just the time. It was, I mean, you know, Elvis was, was um, like I said, he was very unique, but he was, uh, I don't know about grooming me. He, he, I didn't take it at that. I never heard the word. I mean, obviously it's all new now, but, mm. you know, he loved to take me to, to um, beautiful uh, stores to buy me a, a, an outfit. I didn't have any money. Mm. I, he would take me you know, to the movies every night. That's when you dressed up. And he wanted me to, be, to look good and not feel bad that I had jeans, or not jeans, but you know, a little dress that mm. didn't really fit uh, for, or be suitable for where we were going. So, um, so yes, he would buy clothes for me and, and, and love to, and look, when you see what he wore, he would dress up to a tee. So he wanted, to, wanted me also to be dressed up. But people today, with the mindset of mm -hmm. today, mm -hmm. will look back and say it was inappropriate that he would be with a girl of 14. What do you say to people that think that? I understand. Mm -hmm. I understand. But um, I was 14 in Germany, and um, my, I was, uh, there was always people around, um, uh, and our talks were, yes, private. But he never, ever, ever was aggressive, mm -hmm. nor did he ever make love to me. Mm -hmm. um, I was somehow, like I said earlier, someone he trusted to talk to and pour his heart out. And famously, you only consummated your relationship on your wedding night. That's right. And no in one fact, could that's when that. Lisa Marie was conceived. That's right. That night, and you were 21, I think, when yep. you got married. Mm -hmm. No one would believe that, but it's the honest to God truth. Yeah, I believe it. Yep. I've seen you say it before. Yeah. In the movie, again, depending what your mindset is, I think, you could either say, as some people have done, that Elvis comes off as kind of distant, emotionally abusive to a degree, um, a drug addict. Obviously, people knew that towards the end of his life. Um, oh, it was quite a negative characterization. But other people have said in the same light that you just did about it, that it was a different time and that actually... Yeah. He was also coping with the extraordinary pressures yes. of being the biggest superstar in the world. Yes. And that brings with it unique challenges. He had a lot on his shoulders to take care of, to do. He had, you know, films that he hated, all of them actually, except the first two. Really? Yes. He was, you know, he felt that he was being a joke, you know, to have this kind of on the beach, girls, girls, girls. And, and that's all really what Hal Wallace gave him. Colonel Parker signed a five-year contract with, uh, with uh, Hal Wallace mm. and uh, never cared about what kind of movies they were. Elvis was frustrated at the fact that he couldn't get roles that he wanted. Um, and uh, Colonel just didn't understand his client at all. What was he like, Colonel, Colonel Burke? Yeah. Um, Colonel? Was um, he like the Tom Hanks portrayal in the movie? Uh, somewhat, but um, Colonel I never had a problem with Colonel. It's just when Colonel Parker interfered with Elvis's choice of songs, mm. um, that's when it really, that's part of the movie, and when he's upset because Colonel was, you know, trying to change the music and wanting him to sing a different song or talk to a producer and said he should be doing this. When he got in Elvis's way, that's when Elvis would go to all, all out. Did you, did you feel Elvis was a controlling influence on you? Um, controlling. 
I, I don't think it was controlling. I never thought about it being controlling. You, you were 16 when you first went to Graceland. 17. 17. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, a crazy experience for a, a, a young teenage woman to suddenly be propelled from a very normal life mm -hmm. into this. Do you remember it vividly, the, the, the first few experiences there? Well, when, um, when I first went to Graceland <clears throat> to visit, it was in June, I was 62, I believe, and um, I, I um, no, it was 63. It was, um, I was in Vegas in 62. Okay, 63, <clears throat> Elvis um, was there, and he wanted uh, for me to close my eyes when they drove up to the gate because I had heard about Graceland. He told me all about Graceland and I would love Graceland. It's so beautiful. And he, I mean, he, he, he loved Graceland. Mm -hmm. That was his home and the first home he ever bought. So <clears throat> I closed my eyes and um, he asked the driver to have the gates open and you could see the beautiful gates and they'd start, they'd open up. And the lights were on. The, uh, it was so beautiful, I, I, more than what I ever expected. But he was so proud of it, and to not just to me, to show people and and to um, take them around the house and the grounds, and and it was it was it was beautiful. It was a, a nice moment. It was a magical place in mm -hmm. many ways, and yet what comes through from the movie is that he would go off and make his movies, and while he was away, you were often left for long periods of time on your own mm -hmm. in this extraordinary place. Mm -hmm. uh, but actually, life there could be quite. You were with Elvis Presley, but mm -hmm. life for a lot of the time for you was not wildly exciting at all. There was a lot of telephone calls. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he would always call me at five o'clock in the evening, and I would wait for like that phone work. call mm -hmm. every night. Yes. And you'd be there ready. I'd be there by the phone. <laughs> and there's this sort of sense you get in the movie, and you get it whenever you read about Elvis. And you would know better than anybody, obviously, that when he walked into a room energy levels through the roof. I mean, he was Elvis right. Presley. The, the charisma was just crazy. Yep. Even if he wasn't in a great mood, it was still crazy, this charisma. Do you, do you remember that? Oh, my God, yes. He'd walk into the room, and it's like, whoa. I mean, he, he didn't realize, you know, what he had as far as his appearance or what he felt or his charisma. But um, there was a few times when he'd kid around, and he said, damn, I'm good looking. <laughs> <laughs> Kiddingly, when he would be in his, his uh, bathroom and he'd be getting ready to go somewhere. But he had a great sense of humor. Talk about, you, you split from Elvis and you get divorced from Elvis, but you have this little girl, Lisa Marie, and she's your child mm. that you have with Elvis, his only child. What was that relationship like after the divorce between the three of you, would you say? Well, I, because when I left, I wanted, I, you know, I, he adored her, and I never wanted to take that away from him. So I made arrangements that you know, on Christmas or holidays or Easter that she, that he, it was a point that, that I would send her to Graceland. Uh, of course, the nannies was there with her. I would bring her there, that, that he had time alone with her. So even in, in uh, Las Vegas, the same thing. I, I wanted them, you know, to be close, which they were. And was he a good close. father despite all the problems he was having? He was as good a father as he could be. You know, he was never around children. And, you know, it was, he, you know, growing up, 
so he really honestly when he was she was smaller he didn't quite know what to do with her mm -hmm. um, but as as she got a little bit older and a little bit older and then and she could travel you know to visit him and be with him for at least two weeks you know when it was um, Christmas or mm -hmm. Easter or something then he became closer to her his death was something that shook the entire world but for you and your daughter it must have been a particularly seismic shocking moment devastating to get a call absolutely devastating I had just talked to him the night before actually and I um, no two nights before and it to, to get that call um, Joe Esposito actually called me and said, Silla, um, Elvis is dead. And he was already emotional. And I just yelled, you know, I thought he was kidding. You know, you, you just never imagined that. He, that. We would joke around all the time. And then when I found out that, you know, it was true, and I just went to my bedroom and just stayed, and Joe said, you send the plane for me, the private plane. And I just stayed in my room and couldn't believe it and cried and I don't know. It's, it's interesting even now, this is 50 years ago, pretty much nearly. Yeah. But it still has a profound effect on I you. can still hear Joe Esposito's words. So, uh, Elvis is dead. And that was like, I couldn't, I just, couldn't imagine him ever, you know, especially, you know, his age and all being so still so young and wanting to do so much and had so much planned and not having him, not having him, not talking to him, um, not having him be the father of our child and what, you know, my big fear was Lisa, mm -hmm. you know, and how do I, how do I tell her? And she was only nine at the time. I have a daughter of 11, and I can't imagine mm. a harder conversation to have. Right. How, how did you tell her? Well, I just told her we were going to Graceland, and we were going to go see Daddy. But Daddy won't be, you know, Daddy will be resting. And she just asked me, and she goes, well, re what, resting? I've never actually told this before, because it's been hard. But um, I said, well, he's going to go to sleep for a while. And she goes, will I be able to see him? And I said, yes, you'll be able to see him. You'll be able to see him, and then she sees him. And uh, I don't think she really quite got it, but uh, because she went out in the golf cart and started, uh, she had a little friend, and driving in the golf cart and all around the backyard of Graceland. So I don't, it didn't really hit her until later. I can't even imagine, because it was such a huge story for the rest of the yeah. world, but for you, this is just, this is real life. This is your man that you love, mm -hmm. still love, mm -hmm. still love today. Still love today, yep. He was, like I said, he was unique. He was, um, his personality was unreal. He was caring. Um, he cared for people. He had, um, he wondered why him. Um, and when, I mean, he, there are stories about him. I don't know if you ever heard the story about a, there was a black woman who was um, looking at a car on Beale Street. Uh, a car dealership and he was looking and you know, he was just driving around and he saw her looking in the in the windows at the new cars that were there and 
he said, told Charlie to stop the car. He stopped out and he went over to the woman and he goes, boy, those are nice cars. And he said, oh, yes, sir, they're beautiful. Look at that. And she goes, what one do you like? And he, she goes, ooh, I like that black one right there. No, that blue one right there. And he goes, really? Yeah, I kind of like that, too. So then he takes her in, and they go in see the car. And she, he says, what do you think? Oh, that's a beautiful car. You'll be good in that car, right? He goes, well, just a minute. He goes and gets the salesman. He says, give me the keys to that car. I'm getting it. And he gives the keys to her. And that was a beautiful blue Cadillac, brand new. That's him. That's what he would do. Anyone in trouble, he'd give them money. Anyone who had, you know, a problem with anything, really, you know, and they couldn't afford it, even with uh, some of the guys who needed uh, medical care, he'd pay for it. When you've watched Elvis the movie and now Priscilla, and it's made you revisit all of these times that you had with him, do you have any part of you that thinks if only I'd done this, this or this, things could have turned out differently? You know, I don't know. I don't think so because I, I really, um, you know, I gave my all to him. I, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't change his mind. I mean, he was strong-minded. Well, I think he, he loved you and you loved mm -hmm. him till mm -hmm. the day he died. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's clear. Yes. It was an extraordinary love story. He would call me all the time. And it was so funny because whoever he was with, he would usually go into his bathroom to make the phone calls. Do you remember your last conversation with him? My last conversation, yes, was when Lisa was coming home, that she needed to come home because school was starting. And Lisa, Lisa was there during that time. Yeah. That was it. it. It's very, I mean, it's, it's very poignant for me to talk to you who's... In the end, you're, you're a woman that had this extraordinary life and had this extraordinary relationship with this man. But here we are, I think he died in 1977, mm -hmm. and here we are in 2023. And I can see the effect he still has on you, mm -hmm. just on a personal, human level. Yeah. There's nothing tabloid or anything about this. This was a real visceral love between you. I miss him. I miss him very much. Yeah. I miss his words. I miss his love. I miss his laugh. I miss his energy. I miss the fun times. I think, you know, you don't really realize the fun times that you're having until you go back and you look at your albums and your pictures and you go, oh my God, we had so much fun. We did so much. And, uh, you know, it's still, it's still there. Is there a song that whenever you hear it, you think, for whatever reason, there's one song that is... Memories. Memories Press between the pages of my mind Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Press between the pages of my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I don't listen to them that loud songs very often because it just, you know... I go into an, you know, another place, but I, I know sometimes I, I am a little um, uh, su surprised at myself that I still get emotional, and um, I still, I, you know, the love is still there. It's amazing, really. Some people, many people, I think, might go through their entire lives without ever having that feeling. Well, I think too. 
I think, too, is because he's so present. He's still so present. He's still so affects people, but he, you know, it, it's like when I go to Vegas sometimes, you know, I think, my God, the, the, you go to the Hilton Hotel, you see these big showrooms, mm -hmm. and you go, if people, it's never, Vegas has never been the same, I think, and no. I don't think. There was only one there. Elvis. I mean, mm -hmm. they, there are lots of pretenders yes. to the crown, but there's never been anyone like him right. it's since so true. he died. It's true. You know, in the movie um, that Sophia did, um, in which he was angry, you know, with Colonel Parker, mm. and you know, yes, he was angry, and yes, he threw the chair or whatever. But his, he he would when he was angry, he would go, especially with Colonel Parker, mm. he would go into that moment, you know, because he just felt that Colonel was, you know, Colonel was really uh, deceiving him mm. in many ways that. He wasn't giving him what he wanted, and yet he would talk behind his back. I mean, Sophia was never making that movie to show uh, the bad side of Elvis. Mm. That was a real moment when he was upset with Colonel Parker. Mm. And it showed that he, yes, he had a temper. Yes, that's, you know, what he felt, you know, at that moment. But that didn't mean he was like that all the time, mm. hardly. But he knew what he wanted, and he didn't want, you know, someone to go against him when he knew, and he did. His instincts were absolutely right. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely right. So, you know, people walk out, oh, my God, he's got, oh, my God. He was, no, he was a human being, and he had feelings. And, yes, he had a temper. He didn't show it that much, but when he did, he had every reason to. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. about when you get on planes or wherever you may go how do people react to you they're friendly very friendly someone yes. told me that often they'll, they'll clap yes yeah, sometimes they will do <laughs> I mean, that's amazing i know i know there's a, a, a horrible irony in many ways that it was literally at the moment that the elvis movie was being fated at the golden globes and you attended with lisa marie that within 48 hours of that yeah. She incredibly sadly died in her mid-50s. What was... I, I've read an account that you both went to Chateau Marmont and you were laughing together as a mother and daughter um, and everything seemed fine. And then she suddenly said to you that she was having these crippling yeah. stomach pains. Yeah. Did you, did you fear there was something very bad happening? Well, I, I, she didn't look well that night and I was concerned. 
and uh, she asked Jerry Schilling, who is a good friend of mine, very, one of my best friends, if not the best friend, um, if he, she could, if he could hold her, her heels were high, and and she's worn them before, and I thought, oh, is she okay? She didn't really look that okay. She looked very frail, so. I let that go, and then uh, we watched the show, and uh, we had a few laughs, and and we were all excited about Austin Butler and you know Baz, and you know the movie went so well. We we're proud of them, and you know, and then we started to go, and she said, "Mom, you want to go to Chateau Maman and have a drink?" And I said, "Sure." And then we went there and sat down, and, um, and she said, "Mom, I have to go. My my stomach really hurts." And I go, "Of course." You okay? She goes, yeah, yeah. Just, I really have to go. And I go, okay, yeah, okay. We'll get the cars now. And then we walked toward the car, and I, I hugged her, and uh, she went her way, and I went mine, and that was, that hug was the last, was the last hug I gave her, and it's still shocking, that, um, you know, I don't, we don't have her. I, I got that call from her. Um, ex-husband Danny that uh, you know I need that I need to go to the hospital and see Lisa that she's in the hospital and then I thought oh my god you know this is not the first time but I never thought that it was last and it was too late you, you didn't see it was her too late oh she's still alive yeah I mean they say that it's the worst possible thing to lose a child Given your relationship, how close you were, mm -hmm. what you'd all, what you'd been through as a family, mm -hmm. it must have been particularly painful, unbearable. Well, it is. It was unbearable. You know, I lost my mother, I lost my grandson, and I lost my daughter. And um, losing Ben was 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 that was the hardest thing for her, losing Ben. Because he took his own life took his own life, and he was, I mean, he was the love of her life. That child, she adored him. Mm -hmm. She would do anything for him, anything. And um, we were in Memphis, we were sitting up in the suite, and she said, Mom, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if I want to be here. And I go, what are you talking about? You know, Mike Ben. And she'd go on about Ben and how she is still grieving. And this was a couple of months before. And she was feeling almost suicidal herself? I think so. She really, she was almost like, I, she wanted to go earlier, but the, the twins were still young. Or too young, let's put it that way. So, the twins were what, 13? It's so sad. Mm -hmm. I know. Don't talk anymore. <laughs> Can you stop the camera, please? Yeah. Um, 
Lisa, of course, at one stage was married briefly to Michael Jackson. Right. Arguably after Elvis, the other great pop icon has ever been. Were you concerned mm -hmm. about that? Mm-hmm. Very. Mm. Yeah, and I was honest with her. You know, she told me she was seeing him and you know, she was seeing him for a little bit actually and then I remember being in Hawaii and she was we were walking together on the beach and she said, Mom, I'm really concerned and I go, Why this is while they were married and said that, you know, I never see him. I go, What do you mean you never see him? He's always gone. I go, Where does he go? And she goes, I don't know. I don't know where he goes. He'll call me maybe three or four days later. I said, well, don't you ask him where he's going? He goes, you just said, you know, he's around. He has things to do. And I always felt that, you know, Michael, you know, Jackson, Lisa Presley, and he, he you know, loved Elvis or respected Elvis. <clears throat> so I always felt, <clears throat> excuse me, that having the name, you know, um, be associated with the name with his daughter. Yeah, I did. I was concerned. I you told thought her. That maybe that was his main motivation. I, I did. Did you? I did. Mm. I mean, I, I know he was a bit fearful of me, and she told me, you know, he's afraid of you. And I go, what is he afraid of me for? Why is he afraid? Why should he be afraid of me? And she goes, I don't know. He doesn't think you'll like him. <clears throat> I said, I've hardly talked to him because he always hides. Right. <laughs> We were at the Peabody Hotel in Memphis, and um, I went to see her at her suite, and, and we're talking, and then all of a sudden I said, well, where's Michael? She said, he's getting dressed. And I go, okay. So I, he pops out really quickly to get his hat that was left on the end table, and then rushes back and closes the door. And I said, God, do I scare him that much? <laughs> was, it, was it, do you think, because he knew you saw through him a bit? I, yeah, I, I think he, I, I think he's. I, I think he was quite smart, and I think he mm -hmm. did. Yeah, I think he did. But um, she then told me that you know she, they were getting that she wanted a divorce, and and then the rest is history. Yeah. The and don't get me wrong. I thought he was very talented, no. um, truly talented, and but I never really got to know him. And you would have preferred him not to marry your daughter. Yeah. I just because I felt that he was so intrigued about Elvis, and, you know, just, you know, here's Lisa and... Is he with her because she's Lisa or because she's a Presley? I think more because she was a Presley. Yeah. After Lisa died, it was widely reported, obviously, that there was a dispute between you and uh, Riley, mm -hmm. uh, her daughter. and. It's all been settled. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Riley gave an interesting interview to Vanity Fair, and I oh, thought there were, some, <laughs> there were some wonderful lines there, I thought, because it really resonated with me for any, fa any family, mm -hmm. but particularly a family like yours, which has all the added outside pressures and, of course, huge amounts of money with the estate and everything else. Um, and she said, when my mum passed, there was all the chaos in every respect of our lives. Everything felt like the carpet had been ripped out and the floor had melted from under us. Everyone was in a bit of a panic to understand how we move forward. And it took a minute to understand the details of the situation because it's complicated. We're a family, but there's a huge business side mm -hmm. of our family. So I think that there was clarity that needed to be had and clarity has been had. And they then asked 
are things with grandma happy? <laughs> and she said, a really interesting th response. Things with grandma will be happy. They've never not been happy. She said, I'm trying to think of a way to answer it. It's not a 20 minute conversation. There was a bit of an upheaval. And then she said this about you. She's a beautiful woman and she was a huge part of creating my grandfather's legacy in Graceland. It was very important to her. He was the love of her life. Anything that would suggest otherwise in the press makes me sad because at the end of the day, all she wants is to love and protect Graceland and the Presley family wow. and the legacy. That's her whole life. It's a big responsibility she's trying to take on. None of that stuff has ever really been a part of our relationship prior. She's just been my grandma. <laughs> and I thought that was a, actually a lovely way to describe yeah. it. I, I never read that. Wow. Wow. I'm going to cry again. <laughs> yeah. How does yeah, that make that you was, feel? Oh, my God, I love her. I mean, I've, we have always gotten along, you know. I think it was the press that really started all this. And, you know, it's like like everything else. They don't give you, you know, they don't, when something comes out, like, yes, it was a little bit of um, trying to figure out Will, trying to figure out, you know, like you normally do. <clears throat> but Riley and I have always been close. I mean, at the center of it, it seemed quite straightforward that Lisa Marie had changed her will mm -hmm. that hadn't actually told you. Mm -hmm. And in changing it, she'd made the executors or trustees mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. the will <coughs> were mm -hmm. to be her children, mm -hmm. which is perfectly understandable. Absolutely. You just didn't know. Yeah, yeah. So when she suddenly dies tragically young and this all comes out, you just were caught blindsided. That's what it seemed to me. That's all it was. That was all it was, you know. And I think Riley will be great. Um, she has, you know, asked me a few things about what to do and where we'll, we'll talk about, like, I want to I wanna help her, like, with Graceland. Mm -hmm. I mean, she has her own career as well and doing so well. She's, with her she's very she's talented. Like, she's so talented. So I mean, I you're an incredibly talented fan. Aren't you? <laughs> you. I, I mean, think, well, putting aside all the drama yeah. and the heartache and all the other stuff, underpinning it, mm -hmm. a lot of very talented people Thank you. in your family. Thank you. I think so as well. Even Ben was, was quite talented as yeah. well. and He had dreams. But, um, but uh, with Riley, um, I told her anything she needs to know about Graceland, about Elvis, more so about Elvis, mm. because, you know, she never really took a part of... of of going to Graceland only on special times, of whether it would be Christmas or, you know, we'd all go for, I don't know, for some occasion, not that many times. But uh, I want her, you know, to know a lot about Elvis, and um, I'll probably, you know, help her in that way. She was asked in the interview about this stuff that had been gossiped about, let's put it like that, that there may be some issue about whether you would one day be buried mm -hmm. with Elvis mm -hmm. at Graceland. Mm -hmm. Ben is obviously there, Lisa Marie's there now. And she said, as far as she was concerned, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do you want to clear that up? I mean, how are your feelings about that? Well, I, because my feelings are great. I mean, that's, you know, what, what I want and wanted. You'd like to be buried next yes. to Elvis. Yes, yes. And that will happen? Yes. I think people would like that. <laughs> At least right now. Well, no, obviously, I don't yes. want to be, no. <laughs> No, I mean, <laughs> let's hope it's a very long way down the line, but, but that's, that's settled. That's nothing to be... No, no. Um, um, I think, you know, with Riley, she's, she's got a great head on her shoulders. Mm -hmm. She really is, and, and we've had many talks. Um, I trust her. I, I, I believe she's capable of taking, taking on some, especially some 
you know, something's a great song when we have to be there in person together, or just her. And, and but I, after all, you turned Grace, I mean, it was losing money, it was basically going out of business. <laughs> you turned it almost single-handedly, actually. I mean, you had help, yeah. but it was your driving right. force that's turned it into a $100 million a year business. I mean, it was an amazing achievement that you did there. I know, I sometimes look back at how in the world did I do this? How did you do it? <laughs> I, just, would be proud I just rolled of up my Colonel sleeve. Colonel Parker would be proud of you. <laughs> yeah, I just rolled up my sleeves and it said it has to be done because it was, I was, um, uh, I had two, I had uh, Elvis's um, bookkeeper and his attorney, mm. the three of us were executives. They didn't know anything about Elvis. I didn't know his, you know, what he wanted, what he didn't want. They just mm. took care of business. <clears throat> And I, they came to me, this is three years after uh, we got Graceland. And one of them came to me and said, Priscilla, we're in dire need of money. We don't have it. We have to sell Graceland. And I just looked at him and I said, that will never happen. He goes, but we're out of money. I said, that will never happen. And then I left and then I just rolled up my sleeves and I went out and asked people who, you know, as people that I knew, I'm looking for someone to help me do this. How do I open up the home? Where do I go? Where do I go? Who do I go to? How do I do it? And then I just met with some top people. And it's this huge business, but it's also absolutely in the spirit of Elvis, mm -hmm. because it's being driven by someone mm -hmm. that knew what his spirit was. Right. Do you, do you ever go to Grayson? Oh, yes, of course. What do you feel like when you go I there? feel like I never left. Really? <laughs> I feel like I never left. I'd go in the house and sit in the living room and look around and go, my God, so many memories here. Oh, my God. I can listen. I can hear Elvis's laughter. I can see him playing the piano after we'd come home from the theater or the movies. Um, and we'd go in, in the, in the um, piano room, and he'd go straight to the piano, and I'd sit on the couch, and he'd start singing gospel music. That's all, all there still. In the Vanity Fair interview that Riley did, she said this about uh, Lisa Marie, her mum. The life she had wasn't easy. The treachery she endured, the lack of real love and real friends. She definitely had some great friends and relationships, but I don't think she ever really had. And then she tells her, people were just coming for her since she was born, wanting something from her, not being totally authentic. She had to develop a thick skin. She was a very powerful presence, extremely loving, extremely loyal, sort of a lioness, a fierce woman, and a really wonderful mother. I think that would be my summary because I'm her daughter, she was the best mum. When I read that, I mean, you could almost say exactly the same about you. Mm. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. Um, well, that's a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It is. Yeah. And I just think it's to try and yeah. exist in the goldfish bowl mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you've had to do, that Lisa had to do, that all the family have had to do. Right. You have to have a thick skin. You, you have do. to be a bit of a lioness. And none of us are thick-skinned, and then we have to be. Right. It's true. It is true. I mean, I chose to be very private. I really, I really, um, I'm not out there that much. I enjoy my friends, my, my family, what I have left, and, and um, live, live a normal uh, life. How it's do you feel, now we're coming to the end of this, actually what's <laughs> been an extraordinarily revealing interview, far more than I anticipated. <laughs> Me <but> too. <laughs> How do you feel? No. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I talk too much. I don't know. I'm a little nervous. Um, well, I don't know. I, um, 
I've talked about things I've never talked about before. I'm at a time in my life where I'm willing to share, and you, um, I trust you. Mm. And I've always liked your, you know, your interviews that you've had with different people. And um, I hope it comes out okay. <laughs> I'm sure it will. I think people will feel the same way that I do, yeah. which is you're a remarkable person. Mm. You've had a remarkable life. And I'm, I'm glad you have a movie now which is about you and your life. Because I think in many ways it's hugely significant and has been hugely significant to not just Elvis when he was alive, but also preserving his legacy right. since he died. I think you've played such a massive part in that. And that's one of the reasons that he remains today so revered, I think, is because the work and mm. determination you've had to keep the Elvis flag flying. And I hope this movie, I mean, I don't want anyone, I know there's a few comments on him being angry. My God, he's a human being. Yeah. He's a human and being. And an artist. And, I mean. a, and an artist, absolutely. But he, you know, with, with Elvis was, I've never met anyone like him, and I don't think I ever will again, ever. He had a biggest heart. He had a great sense of humor. He had a lot of love. Um, he could be a little kid, you know, when, when he wanted to. He loved to be babied. Um, and he just, I, I, there's no one like him. And th the fact that he still has fans, mm. he would never believe that. He would never believe it, ever, that he still has fans. And they're everywhere. And they're everywhere. But he, um, I'll, there'll never be anyone like him, ever. Priscilla, what a privilege to sit with you for the last hour. Thank you very much for being so welcome. I appreciate it. <laughs>Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.